from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. Radio, it is Wednesday the 24th. We sure to appreciate you being with us as always. We have two fantastic guests. Andrew Hayes is with us. Alta Consulting is his company. And here's what's amazing. Got a hundred clients through his app. You want to hear that story, don't you? It will be coming up in just a minute. After Andrew, Amanda Glover is with us. She has the blueprint for success, the startup success blueprint. And so you want to hear that too. So as I said, just great stuff today and you will sure learn a lot. On Friday, we have the guy who is behind the whiteboard, the smart board, the board that is you write on copies and takes notes for you. That really cool technology. He is with us on Friday. Oh, and today I forgot to say we have the quick 10. You don't know what the quick 10 is because I hardly ever play them, but a huge percent, maybe half of our guests play a game called the quick 10. We are storing them all up for a product to come out later. It's a book that's going to be for charity. And so it will be coming out pretty soon. Uh, but every once in a while we go ahead and play them for you. So today, Amanda, our second guest, Amanda Glover is going to play the quick 10. So that is sort of like a bonus that you very rarely get, but today is one of the days that you do get the bonus quick 10 and it's still at the same low price. That's right. No added cost. No additional fees, no surcharges, no duties, no taxes. We'll be right back to get started. Bye, bye, bye! Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. Very excited to introduce my first guest. Please welcome Andrew Hayes to the show. He is the founder and head of lifestyle at Alta Coaching. It is a holistic habit coaching experience, and maybe some of the best way to talk about it is to 
show you or tell you about some of the growth that he has had here in the last year or so. Let's see, quarterly growth up 217% quarter one to quarter three. Monthly growth 918% up from January to September this year. Damn, Andrew, welcome. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that introduction. It is our pleasure. All right, so tell us about Alta. Is, is it is it a program or an app or a program with an app? What? Where are we? What is it? Tell us about it. It's a coaching program. We do use an app as a tool for our coaching to stay in constant contact. We are a coaching program primarily around nutrition to help busy professionals improve their health. All right. So when we do the coaching, what, uh, what level, how are we going to get involved? Is it managing the food or keep going? Give me more detail, Andrew. Absolutely. I, I can explain it back with the quick. Can I ask you a question, Jim? Yeah, please. What's healthier, a salad or a donut? Well, I've seen those before. Uh, and sometimes the donut could be healthier depending on the crap you put on the salad. You know, I'm a boy. So I start off with a gallon of ranch dressing, you know, and then, uh, croutons got to have a lot of croutons, you know, and then you, <laughs> I don't know what's your answer, Andrew. I would guess you want me to say salad, but I don't know, not the way I eat them. What's your answer? Well, it is a con nutrition is complicated. So you did hit the nail on the head there, but yes. Most people would say salad, and that is in many ways the correct answer. And, and what I'm getting at here is that most people know what a healthy plate looks like, but a lot of people struggle to eat it. And why is that? And the answer is there's a thousand different ways to answer why it's hard. Everybody's different. And so the way our coaching program works is everything is one-to-one. -one. We do very in-depth intake calls to understand, do you commute to an office? Do you work from home? Do you cook? Do you do takeout? Do you have kids? All of these things, all of these go into the decisions you make in the day. And those affect your ability to eat healthy, your ability to exercise, your ability to take breaks from your desk. All of that goes into your holistic health. And we help coach you to improve your habits, no matter what situation you're in. All right. So can anyone lose weight or is it Depended on my biology, my genetics. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people say recently that running and stuff is not necessarily good for you, that all that matters is you increase your muscle amount in your body. What are your uh, sort of overall nutritional beliefs on some of these big issues? Anyone can lose weight. Calories in, calories out is the very simple explanation that everyone has heard a million times. But again, it's a lot more complicated than that. At the end of the day, the choices you make with those calories, what you do in between those meals. Running is a great example. Running is a fantastic way to be healthy long term if you are taking care of your joints and your knees and all of that. But it can also be stressful on the body. And if you also, if you hate running, you're probably not going to do it regularly. And so you might be a better fit for a daily walk or you might be a better fit for an exercise bike. Anything you're going to do consistently is almost always the best answer. It's not necessarily one specific thing that is one size fits all. All right. And what about the idea that muscles are more important muscle mass than anything else? Yeah, it depends. As always, my answer will always be it depends, but yes. And, Andrew, only economists use that answer. That's <laughs> You're not an economist. You can't use that answer. 
almost everybody listening probably doesn't do enough strength training. It is often overlooked. It's incredibly important for long-term health to keep your bones dense, to keep your joints healthy, to keep you energetic. And it's also really important for short-term health. It's very often the missing piece in weight loss. The more muscle mass you have, the more carbs you can eat, which you know is really what most people want. And you get away from trying to burn off those calories on a treadmill, which is really hard to do. And you move more towards just using food as fuel to fuel your body on a daily basis with the activities you already do. So strength training is something that I recommend pretty much everybody incorporate, incorporate in some form or other. All right. What about, you know, uh, lifestyle, you know, I don't exercise, uh, per se, but I, you know, blow the lawn every day or every other day. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff, you know, I'm not sedentary very much. Uh, I'm kind of active. Does that make any difference? So I still need to go and do more than that. If I'm at a weight that I'm happy at and, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It makes a huge difference, Jim. So nice job. Kudos to you. I would say cardio falls into a lot of camps. Cardio, most people think running or they think a spin class, but mowing the lawn, golfing, maybe going on a fishing trip, hiking, all of that counts as cardio. And that's all really important. Moving every day, especially being outside, which is really the type of creatures we're meant to be, is outdoor creatures moving and exploring. Those add up quickly and make a massive difference in weight management, in mental health, in sleep. There is that second piece we touched on of strength training. There's really no substitute for that. You need to engage your muscles and your bones and show that they need to be adapted to resistance, but cardio that's like being mulch, outside and mowing your lawn. Bags of mulch <laughs> counts, doesn't it? Exactly right. Exactly. I, I would say absolutely that counts. Yeah. I mean my muscles are tired if I carry mulch all day. Yeah. I mean there's lots of even we have a client who's a ranch hand and he gets lots of resistance training on the job and lots of outdoor cardio on the job. All right. So let's go back to the clients, Andrew. You say that it's all one-on-one. -on -one. Does that mean that you are on the phone for 30 minutes with the client each week? Is that how it works? We do two formal intake calls, one for nutrition and one for lifestyle. So that is a pretty in-depth call where we get into your history with food, your history with your job, everything like that. And then most of the communication takes place in an app. Anyone listening who's a busy professional knows that this movement away from meeting, we're all sitting in the same place at the same time, uh, has really given way to pre-recorded videos, messaging asynchronous in the app. We have optimized our experience so that if you feel like you never have enough time in a day to exercise or eat healthy, how are you also going to have a coach on top of it? We take care of that for you with our process. So essentially what happens is you do your exercises on your own time. You don't need to meet me at the gym at 6 a.m. You log your food, you eat your food on your own time. You don't need me there with you. And then we can go in and look at everything you've done and provide feedback as often as every day. That makes a lot more sense. And then from an entrepreneurial standpoint, that's scalable too. You know, I don't like the idea of you on every call because that doesn't scale as a business person. So let's switch that conversation now, Andrew. Talk to us about entrepreneurial history of your business. So, uh, Let's go back all the way to you starting a desk job in New York City. Sure. Yeah, I had the very typical trajectory of after college, got a desk job in New York City, 
found myself working 50, 60 hour weeks, no room for exercise, eating takeout, drinking, those types of things. And I knew this was not sustainable. So I became really interested in this idea of how can I have a career, but also still exercise. And so I've read lots of books, done lots of certifications. And what I found is the more I prioritize myself, the more I take time away from my desk, ironically, the better I am at my job, because unless you're an intern, you get paid more for what you know than what you do. And so if you're showing up to a meeting and you're tired and you're you know, stressed out, you're not providing value in that meeting. Whereas if you take an hour to work out or to eat a healthy meal and you show up to that meeting at your very best, you are going to do really well. And so that's something I've been working on the last 15 years that we help coach other people on too. Okay. And so when did you start the business full-time? Keep going business history, Andrew. Absolutely. So Kat Best is my co-founder. She's our nutrition coach. And I met her about a year and a half ago and she was my nutrition coach. So I have a background in nutrition, but I really wanted someone to coach me. And she was so amazing that we decided to partner together. And she was doing it very traditionally at the time, text message, uh, spreadsheets, things like that. And we said, okay, well, how do we scale this business, right? That's to your point. It's not scalable to be texting clients all day. And that's kind of annoying for them too. And so now we're built on an app. It's our own app. It's called Alta Coaching. And we've also incorporated some third-party tools on top of that because the app has an API. So if you're familiar with that world, it just allows us to access even more data, create our own dashboards where we can surface insights to clients that they don't even know they have. So for instance, Jim, if you're, even if you're logging your food every day, you're maybe getting lost in the sauce of your day and all your meals and you don't quite know how much protein you're having on a given week. Well, we can use the API to surface to you. Hey, you have this trend of every Friday you're over on calories or every Monday you're under on protein. These are the types of trends that we help you correct using the data that we have. All right. And so you decided to join together who paid for the app and where'd the money come from and had the first client come up and all that. Yeah, we're fully bootstrapped and we did about six months of guinea pigs, so free coaching. And then we did a few months of a very small price point. And now we're well over 100 clients uh, and we are built fully on our app. Everything runs smoothly, very solid onboarding process. So it took us from free product to where we are today as a full business about 18 months. And... How do you sell today? How do you market? How do you get the clients? We are not for everybody because we do require a bit of a commitment, which is log your food every day. Not forever, but for the time while you're being coached, it's really hard to coach you. You don't know what you're eating. And so we are constantly out there promoting ourselves on social media, partnering with local businesses like physical therapy clinics and gyms. And what we try to do is tell people that we are the last stop for a fitness program, but we do require a bit of work. And that's kind of the opposite of everything else out there, which is, hey, buy us right now. We're going to get you results and it's pretty easy. Uh, we kind of say the opposite, which is, hey, it's not going to be the easiest program you do, but it will be the last. And so we just try to be really honest about that. We're not for everybody, uh, but we are constantly out there looking for more leads because not everyone is a fit, which is a challenge. Yeah, of course. And what's the price point approximately? Does it depend on a package or I don't know? What's what would we expect there? Yeah, we have a couple different options. We have more of a self-guided 
option that starts around $500 and then a one-on-one coaching, which is a, a bit more intense, starts around $1,200 and that lasts for six months. Okay. Very reasonable. Perfect. I like it. All right. What do you do with a client that's, you know, just, they are the problem, you know, I like what I mean, you, you would hate me. Cause I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to eat the donut. Right. And then I'm going to tell you that it's good because if I had had the salad, I would have put two gallons of dressing on it. And so ultimately I'm the winner there. I ate healthy that time. I had the healthy choice, Andrew, you know, you see, you understand? Yeah. I do. I'm glad you brought this up because I'm pretty anti willpower. I don't think willpower makes sense. I think by definition it's, it's limited and how long it's going to last. So if you tell me that you like donuts, but you want to lose weight or you really like ranch dressing and you want to lose weight, so you're not going to eat it anymore. It's just kind of a ticking time bomb of when that's going to stop working. And so what we do is actually, you know, you say you're the problem. Really the problem is we've all created these habits over time that are unique to us. It's not anyone's fault necessarily. So we identify, okay, what are the non-negotiables for you? You really like putting dressing on your salad. Great. We're going to show you how to plan the rest of your day so that you can have as much dressing as you want on your salad. So you never have to say to yourself again, I can't eat a salad with dressing anymore. You're just going to know that your breakfast and your dinner might look a little different based on how much salad dressing you put on your lunch. I like that. I like that because I am going to have, uh, two biscuits in the morning, you know, uh, but I only eat half of each. Isn't that strange? <laughs> so you have one biscuit in the morning. Yes, but I put, I have two sausages, two sausage patties on the bit. Then I eat half of the biscuit. So I eat an open faced sausage biscuit. How's that sound? That's, I mean, that sounds delicious. I like that. I can give you an example from my life too. Some of my non-negotiables are pizza and beer. That really helps me on a Friday night after a long week. I have young kids who love pizza. And so for me on a Friday, I know in the morning I'm going to have a high protein, low carb, low fat breakfast, maybe something similar for lunch. And so when I go out for pizza, I know how it fits into my day. Now, so not only does it not make me gain weight or feel awful, but it also removes that guilt, which a lot of people have is, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. And I'm really bad. I need to repair myself. So it's like that, that question of I'm the problem. We kind of remove that as well as you're doing nothing wrong, as long as you understand the bigger picture. I like that too, because that is the problem is, you know, the self-esteem that comes with it and all of the, in the head stuff, right? Exactly. Address that. How do we conquer bad in the head stuff? It's hard. Small wins really help encouraging anyone we work with to have small wins. So if you're listening to this today and you're trying to make a change or your diet, or your exercise routine, I would say start small. Don't underestimate the importance of drinking seven or eight glasses of water in a day. Don't underestimate the importance of trying to put some kind of protein on your plate at every meal instead of just grabbing a bag of chips. And don't underestimate going for a walk, even if you can't make it to the gym. If you can do those things consistently, they add up. And you can really start to build those habits over time, one by one. If you try to jump in at first into everything, which is again, what you see a lot on January 2nd, January 1st, that's setting yourself up for failure. You really want to do small wins over the course of several weeks, several months. Well, you know, right now is the time when we're all giving up on our 
resolutions, right? We're three months in or three weeks into the year now. I'm still writing 23 on all my checks, but you know, I, I don't write resolutions anymore because I know I'm going to break them. So, uh, but most people are giving up around right now. Do you lose clients right right now because the resolutions <laughs> have worn off? We really try to help people understand what is a cheat, what is flexibility in a time like this. So Christmas, let's say if you celebrate Christmas, that's a day. That's one day. If you want to take all of December 25th and do whatever you want, that's totally fine. And same for New Year's, you know, you want to have more drinks than you usually do because it's a holiday, enjoy yourself. But the question you want to ask yourself is, am I turning this holiday into a three-week span where I completely let myself go? That's something you want to be aware of. We don't lose too many clients at this time. We do have a lot of monthly recurring clients, but a lot of them will tell us what type of flexibility they want. Do they not want to log their food for a bit? Do they want to cheat a little bit? And we help them find that balance. So again, there's no guilt and they're not going to fall off track on the way to their goals. We don't have a lot of new clients right now though, as you can probably guess. Yeah. I would think right now would be one of the busiest times of the year for you. Correct. Correct. But new clients will probably all come out of the woodwork on January 2nd. Yes. Well, just remember it's the January 24th today. Don't forget that Andrew. That's right. That's right. So, uh, if, yeah, if you are still struggling, it's not too late. You don't need to give up. <laughs> you got this. There's uh, still 11 months left in a year. Don't fall into the all or nothing mentality. So what are you on your resolutions? Do you write them down or do you share them? Uh, what are your policies? I write them down. I usually do a bit of a state of the union with my wife every year for our family, which is fun. I did lose a bit of my hobbies uh, last, I'll say last year, because we're now in 2024. In 2023, I lost a lot of my hobbies growing the business. And that was okay at the time. And I used helping other people as a bit of an excuse. But I want to go back to some of the things that make me happy in my free time which is the number one lesson I learned when I got my first jobs in my 20s, which is you need to take steps away from your desk. You need to nurture your talents, your hobbies, your free time. I should be studying a foreign language. I should be playing with my kids. I should be learning an instrument, reading books, whatever it might be. Have that balance. Even if there's always more to do on the business, that's okay. Sometimes taking a step away will help me have more impact when I'm plugged back in. That makes sense. When's the book coming out? It's still a work in progress. And what's it on? What is the title, the working title this, this week? The book that we're making? Yeah. The Flexible Approach. Well, that would sell well. I like that. <laughs> I like it because, uh, you know, I think the rigidity of a lot of things is what turns people off. And so the ability to say, I'm not doing that today. Um, that works. That makes a lot of sense. Thank I'm, you. I'm kind of teasing you. You don't have a book out now. I mean, <laughs> you, you, your publicist hasn't told me anything about it, but I just sort of assume that that's your next step. It just seems like that should be your next step, right? That's right. That's right. And possibly a podcast in the works for this year as well. Well, that's easy. That's, that takes like two minutes of thought. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole podcast thing takes less than five minutes. So, 
Uh, anyway, Andrew, congratulations on a great run, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. Uh, the app sounds really cool. It sounds like a great compromise. Uh, built well to scale, and so it seems like you've done everything right. Congratulations. It certainly felt like there were some bumps in the road along the way, but I appreciate that. It's been a fun journey. How do we find out more? Follow online, hire you to count our calories. Absolutely. You can find us at altaforlife.com. That's A-L-T-A for life.com. We have lots of free resources. If you go to our resources section, you'll see food planners, gluten-free, dairy-free, exercise guides, anything you want, we, we give away for free. That's another business strategy that's always been helpful about for us is take all of our information. And then if you have questions, you know who to call. So please go to our website, use our resources. You can also follow me on Instagram. That's my most active channel. And that's at Andrew Hayes life. Fantastic. Andrew, great stuff. Congratulations and best to you and your family this year. Thanks. You too. Thanks for having me on today, Jim. Appreciate it. And we will be right back with Amanda Glover to talk about her startup success blueprint. We will be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. That's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back in again. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Very excited to introduce my next guest. Please welcome Amanda Glover to the show. She is a 20-year entrepreneur and business coach in the B2B and B2C uh, realms. She is the founder of Startup Success Blueprint, which is part of her business action planning business. Amanda, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Jim. It is my pleasure. You seem to love data. Is that a place where we should start? Is that where entrepreneurs should start? Absolutely. It, I do love data because data doesn't lie. <laughs> that is true. All right. So what do, what do we need to know, though? What data is relevant? Well, Jim, it seems uh, with a lot of startups, they get really passionate about a a problem that they've found that they'd really love to solve for people, which is fantastic. And then you go and you're building a product and you're creating this. And then that question comes, what business is going to support this, this product that I'm building and creating? What does the bigger picture look like? What does the longer term look like? And especially if you're starting up and you for um, advisors or funding, it becomes really important and imperative to be able to answer that specific question. And so that's where data really becomes that support to go out and find what are the different markets that serve your target customers? Who are all the people that could buy and consume this product? And how do you measure that? How do you even know what the size of those markets are and the opportunities opportunities are based on what it is that you're building. And so that's one of the key areas where I focus is helping um, startups and companies find what that, 
that data looks like to make priorities and decisions that'll help them grow more quickly. Can you give an example, Amanda? Absolutely. So you could say, um, as an example, I work in the pet world and maybe you say, okay, well, I want to find people who you know need my services, maybe you're a dog walker or something like that. It could be something really simple or big. But then you start to think about, well, okay, my job is more physical. I need to have a specific space or area where I focus on. What are my demographics? What area reach do I want to be able to get out to? It's really modeled a lot after Tim Samsom, which is um, kind of an odd term, um, but it is actually a business framework where you're reaching out and looking at who are all the people out there with pets who might need a dog walker? That's the whole market. But then how do I narrow it down to who I can serve within my area, within my reach? Maybe you say, okay, I'm willing to go within 20 miles of where I live. And you start to narrow in on that. How many people own dogs in this area? How many people might need assistance with walking them? You know, how many people work during the day and might need that support? And then you start to whittle into, okay, based on what I've learned from the people that I've spoken to that really do need dog walkers who have hired them, who really rely on them, what are the reasons why? And what is it that I can go and and do and promote about myself that makes me a great fit for those people? And so you start to get down to who are the exact dog owners, if you will, that you want to serve. And how will you serve them differently than anyone else? And there's methods that you can take from this, what we're discussing here, and look and see, okay, how much data is out there to show us? How big are these opportunities? Um, How many people is that that I can really serve so that you are understanding of where you should focus first? And also, almost more importantly, where you should not focus. I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs can get distracted because there's so many things you can do, but what should you focus on first to really get going? All right, Amanda, a lot of that makes a lot of sense, but let me play the devil's advocate for a second. We know we need more dog walkers. We know there's a market <laughs> yes. for, you know, I mean, there's already thousands of people doing that successfully. So we already know that there's a market for that, right? I mean, isn't that a foregone conclusion at the very beginning. I don't need to research to know that. You don't need to research that people need them, but why do they need them? Ah, there is what types of people, you know, actually need, want it. Who are they? Knowing who they are, you might say, Hey, I'm going to be a dog walker that caters to people that are in corporate and business working too many, too many hours. They can't manage their dog the way they want to. They, they love their dog. They want to give them the best life, but they just don't have time. So you almost become a nanny for their dog as an example. Or maybe you're serving people who are elderly and they can't walk their dog as often or they need some other support. Or maybe people who travel regularly and you support them while they travel. Um, you know, what is that? Who's that person you're identifying with and who's that person you feel, feel more passionately about that you can really serve? So you're really coming at this from a marketing standpoint then coming up with um, it's both research and marketing and the data and the research helps drive how to market and who to market to. So they're highly connected. All right. Yes. 
Yes. And how does creativity play into this? We're assuming you already have an idea before the research starts. Yes, absolutely. So part of that is you, you already know that what you want to pursue. Um, oftentimes with that, you'll hear people starting to just throw spaghetti at the wall a little bit to say, oh, well, maybe these people can really use it. And so could they, and so could they, and so could they. Um, that's where you get to learn a little bit more about each of those different people, those different groups that you're thinking of that are just coming to mind. How do you understand which would be a better fit for you? Um, and when you're looking at the actual data and numbers, you'll find in some cases that there's hardly anybody in this group that you're thinking of that may resonate with your product. So it's a great opportunity to exclude them in the beginning and not pay to try to acquire them as a customer later. Where do you get your sources for data? Where are, are the best places to find the information that you typically need? It can really depend on what industry you're in, what line of work that you're in. Um, a lot of these things for B2C specifically, there can be a lot of data that's publicly reported. So um, if there's public companies that are in your industry that could be key competitors pulling data from, from their uh, report outs about their performance, they'll include a lot of industry uh, notes there also include more about what, where their area of focus is and what their output is looking like. Um, if you're working in areas like government, schools, healthcare, et cetera, there's data that can be found. Um, as an example, the CDC for healthcare may have a lot of different data points on um, different diseases, ailments, disabilities, anything like that, that might be part of your business. You're able to glean a lot of information from that or public reporting through like government for schools, et cetera. It's really dependent on what you're working on and then being able to go and find ways to collect that data. It's uh, really your data mining it to have this information to piece together what your business can look like in the future. Amanda, I know you had one business that did about 10 million in the initial Run. Tell us about that product and the work that went behind it. All right. So when we're finding customers, we're, you know, plugging in our extended network of the other furniture products that we had within our business to help guide this startup that we've acquired to help them expand and grow. A big method to do that too was knowing there was a wide portfolio of products that we were able to take and apply to the business and really knowing out of all of these products we can pick and choose from, where do we start to get the biggest bang for our buck? So really looking at the size of the market for each of the different products in the respective portfolio and then looking at the customer base that most deeply resonates with those products and then leveraging sales to go and strategically go after those specific customers first and pitch those products that had the greatest opportunity for us to elevate the business quickly so that that startup could grow um, and, and um, mesh with our customer base as quickly as possible. And that, 
that came from a lot of data mining work from existing customers, potential new customers, uh, in addition to um, the research that we were just speaking of, going out and understanding demand for all of the products and then being able to take that and create stories that would really resonate with these customers. When do you switch from worrying about the product to worrying about the company itself? When do you go from product-centric to company-centric? When you have a product and you have identified the need for the product, you have identified that there's customers who are willing to pay for it. When you have a product that's functioning, you're able to test, iterate, you know, it's, it's working. You're at a stage where you may want further funding. You're at a stage where you know, okay, this thing is, is tested and proved. I know it can really scale and grow. That's where you pivot into the organizational effort. Who, who is this business that will support this product? What, what do we need to become? What do we represent? Who are we serving? And what further portfolio can we build to serve that? So when you're talking to investors or potential partners for your business, it's clear that you've thought through the problem you're solving through your product in addition to the business that will support that product and how you envision that scaling over time to earn these investors and partners more money to make them want to partner with you. All right. That makes a lot of sense. And around what point is that? How far in the process are we? Is that Prior, I mean, that's after some sales, right? I'd it- say it's definitely after you've tested and proven it. You've had some sales or you have customers that are willing to buy. It also depends too, Jim. If you have a product that requires a lot more development work, there's a lot of technical products out there. And maybe when you're first getting started, you have a very small team and then you are able to get kind of that baseline product out there. You're getting an amount of customers with that, but now there's a lot more building um, that needs to happen to really make that product what you envision it to be in the long run. So it may be sort of a smaller beta version, but then you're getting funding and now you're building out the bigger team so you can really take the product where you'd like it to go. All right. That makes a lot of sense. And when... You are thinking about this and talking about, uh, you mentioned earlier how this process can lead to other new products. Explain that. So how does this lead to the third product or the fourth product? Well, as you're going through this test and prove, we're talking about, you know, iterating the product, making sure that customers are willing to pay for the solution that you're putting forward and then being able to work directly with potential customers to learn what's working and what's not working with that product. And then from there, you're learning more about them. You're learning more about their needs. They will tell you what more they need or want the product to do, what other services would help them in their business. Um, It's a big opportunity to create customer journey maps to learn more about what's happening with this customer day in and day out and really identifying all their key pain points that they experience and which pain points are close to your core competency in terms of what you know how to do and the problems that you're working to solve. And then you can start to see, okay, 
there's different iterations of this product that I can build upon and grow. There's different products that help support it that may help this customer. And you start building out a roadmap of what you can do longer term based on the feedback from those who would actively purchase these types of products. All right. How, how do you prompt someone to get that information from them? Are there special questions that you ask to get the ideas for new products to pop out of your customers like this? Yes, absolutely. Part of when they're partnering with you, um, when you work with them, talk to them, et cetera, they know this is a, a product that's in development, so to speak. Uh, this is a product that they want your feedback on. They're learning from you to help build and, and grow this. Uh, oftentimes, even you end up partnered with potential customers that are they're very passionate about the same topic that you're working on. Um, and that's part of the deal in the beginning is that, you know, for a small group of people, they weren't paying for the product, but they're actively using it and working with you to provide regular feedback. That happens typically in structured interviews where you ask them about their experience with the product, even before they start to use it. I've worked with people to ask them sort of the day in the life of questions about, what types of tasks they're doing related to this particular product, what works well for them, what doesn't work well for them. In some cases, you can even do that in person, where if it's if you have, as an example, um, I worked on a, a product related to laundry. So I went to people's homes. They, you know, as part of our test groups, we worked with people and explain what we were doing they were interested invited us in and i would watch them do laundry and i would watch as they kind of had hang-ups and within this process that we don't hardly think of every day i don't think of doing laundry and what steps i take much but when i watch someone else and realize that hey they're cowering down when it's time to turn the laundry on because their baby's sleeping or um the the uh, dryer vent is getting hung up in this way that's like really in the way for them and not working efficiently. Things that they can't articulate to me, I can see because I'm watching the behaviors or where they're pausing, where they're stopping, where they're second guessing. And these are all areas of opportunity where you can streamline something, make it easier for them, make it more straightforward for them so they don't even have to think about it. Tell us about the Startup Success Blueprint. So the Startup Success Blueprint is a course that I am creating that that walks people through the steps that we're talking about. Essentially, if you are starting a business, you're working on your startup, you know that you need to get funding, and you'll want to articulate exactly what it is that you want to do, the customers you're going after, the sizes of the markets, how much revenue you can earn, how you're planning to grow and scale that business. This course walks people through each step of that particular process so that they're able to piece that information together um, themselves. The value in that is at times this can be expensive if you're paying an outside firm to do that work. It can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is um, something that not everybody has the, 
you know, ability to pay for. And um, also it gives them an inside look to this business that they're building, their customer base and opportunity, and also allows them to plan for the future, have that future roadmap we were just talking about and know exactly what in terms of the company itself and the actual products, what can be built to establish this future company. And I know that you focus a lot on healthcare clients and health coaches. What's different about the market of health? You know, uh, when we talk about data, or when we had our example of the dogs at the beginning, you know, it's only <laughs> yes. relevant if you have a dog, right? Health, it's only relevant if you have health. Well, damn it, all of us have got health issues, right? You know? <laughs> so how do you use data to narrow down a, a market as big as health? So how do you help your coaches in the health arena? Well, health in general is, is huge, right? You could talk about, is it health and wellness? Is it self-help? Is it any, is it medical related? You know, are you working with people with disabilities? Are you targeting certain types of illnesses and supporting people through their journey? Um, what is it within health? Because each of these specific areas, you can drill down to a next level deep and see there's so many areas of opportunity. Um, as an example, I uh, have worked in healthcare in the, in the realm of disabilities, and that can span from uh, working with schools to government agencies, and then also to hospitals, rehab centers, um, like rehab centers in terms of like drug-addicted rehab centers, and then rehab centers in terms of uh, rehabbing your body and recovering that way. There's geriatric work. There's early um, newborn work. There's all different phases of people's lives. And then also all different types of health concerns, problems, or areas of growth that could be focused on. And then all different methods in which somebody may want to focus on it, whether it's for their personal life or for their business or, you know, what is it that they're trying to do? So it's really having a, a quick look at this landscape and going, okay, these things are not for me, but this is exactly what I want to do. And within exactly what I want to do, here are all the people within it. And even then you can say, okay, some of these people, I don't really want to serve, um, people that are, I, I want to do health and wellness. So I'm looking at people who are avid exercisers or want, or, um, because I'm focused on helping them, uh, amp up their muscle growth, et cetera. So I'm not focused on people just starting. I'm focused on people that have been, um, in that realm and are looking to become more advanced as an example. So it's getting into the nuances and learning what is working for what you want to offer and then how how big that business size it would be for you so you can understand what would be more lucrative versus not. Yes, very interesting. What's the price on that? Um, so I uh, have a link for the listeners for the Startup Blueprint for $299, and that is for the uh, version that I'm, I'm currently working on it. It's a living it's a living breathing course meaning it will always be optimized improved etc um, and i'd really like to have a group of people to help me continue to iterate and grow that so those that would like to 
um, utilize the product and regularly have meetings with me to discuss it and discuss maybe where they have questions or um, ideas, any areas of concern, and they would get one-on-one support from me throughout the entire course just to help continuously optimize and improve it. Excellent. Makes a lot of sense. Amanda, I love what you're doing and the way you're giving back to the community and thank you very much for that. It looks like a a great idea and I agree with your obsession on data. There's nothing more important than playing that out. You know, my problem, Amanda, is uh, you meet someone at the chamber of commerce meeting and they're working on a plan and they're doing the data research. And then you see them a late a year later and they're working on the plan and the data research. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed. Cause I, I you see yeah. where I'm going with this. Uh, there's a time limit, right? At some point we stop this part, right? Absolutely. So go. Jim, there's a balance in everything, right? And the whole point of this too. And the point of the course is to move quickly to know here are the key points that you need to understand how it can come together and give you that view to know what to do next versus having analysis paralysis that will never serve anyone. You're in this business to, you know, help other people and make money to be an entrepreneur, right? Not to continuously plan and plan and plan. And so you'll see businesses where they go straight to execution and they haven't done any of the research and they're struggling to sell anything. And then you see people that are over planning. So there's that fine balance of what data do you need to collect to know what, what to do and how to be dangerous. And then, okay, now it's time to move into execution and do testing, improving and the marketing to make it all happen. How do we find out more, Amanda, follow online, sign up for some classes. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is uh, Amanda Glover and also through the link to the startup blueprint course, um, provided for the listeners. And then also you can reach out to me at Amanda at businessactionplanning.com. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd love to meet and talk to the listeners and learn more about what you're working on and how um, these types of products and services can better support you in the long term. So I really appreciate the time, Jim. It's been really fun talking to you and getting to know you um, and your listeners. And if you'd like to, um, I'm open to playing the quick 10 with you. I would love to do that, except we do that as a separate thing. So we will uh, finish and come back and do okay. that separately. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Amanda, thank you so much. And uh, we'd love to have you back. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. And we will be right back. We are back and have another brave contestant willing to play the quick 10. Please welcome Amanda Daly of the Startup Success Blueprint. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm good, Jim. How are you? I'm good. I hear you're willing and able to play the quick 10. I am. Thank you. All right. Do you want to accept the standard wager? What? Um, I, I will accept the standard there wager. You go. Number one, your favorite creativity hack. My favorite creativity hack is to do artwork with, with no restrictions. You're not allowed to delete anything, erase anything, repaint over anything. Whatever you're doing, you just express it and see where it takes you. Number two, favorite bootstrapping trick? 
create a list of all the things that and actions you could take in your business and how much they cost and then find a free solution until you can test and prove every item. Number three, name your top passions. Uh, business, self-help, spirituality, animals, and traveling. Number four, the first three steps in starting a business are identify the need, identify the customers that will pay for that need, test, improve your solution. Number five, the first, the best way to get your first real customer is through your network. Number six, your dreamiest technology is. I would say uh, the dream headset that I purchased to help me re- reprogram my sleeping habits. Best entrepreneurial advice. Number seven. Uh, tomorrow is too late. Number eight. Worst entrepreneurial mistake. At times, waiting till tomorrow. <laughs> Number nine. Favorite entrepreneur and why? I, I'm drawn to Richard Branson a lot because he focuses on what he's passionate about and lets the passion pull him into different products and um, businesses versus looking to see, you know, what's conventional. And yeah. I think that's really pulled him into different, really interesting things. And number 10 favorite superhero. Batman, because he doesn't need all of the notoriety. Uh, and he does a great job every time and puts his best foot forward and has a killer car. So yes. what's not to like about that? That is true. Amanda, while we calculate your score and find out the winner of the wager, how do we find out more? Follow online, sign up for the business blueprint. Um, you can find me at uh, Amanda at business action planning, uh, dot com, and I can send you information on the startup success blueprint. Um, so you would be able to become a beta tester and work with me directly uh, throughout the process of the course. All right. Fantastic. I'm just sort of delaying now until I get your score. Oh, oh, Amanda, I've just been given your score. You got a 94, which is an excellent score, but a judge from New Zealand dinged you a little bit. I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. Why are you laughing? I don't know either. Yeah. I worked at a New Zealand based company for years. Maybe, maybe there's uh, some uh, bad blood there. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I'm telling you. The New Zealand judge dinged you, Amanda. I'm sorry to say that. So you That's lose okay. the wager. You lose the wager and you owe us a Tesla, a Tesla. We always play for a Tesla. <laughs> All right. That sounds great. All right. You send that. <laughs> I'll right make along, sure it okay? looks like the Batmobile too. Yeah, that's all right. I'd rather have the Batmobile. Amanda Glover, thank you so much for playing and I uh, hope you'll come back. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate the time. As do I. We are out of time for today, but you know what we do. That's right. We come back. Be safe, everyone. Take care. Bye now.